From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week, we're talking about Pair of Witches, Choose Your Own Adventure, Horror Edition, Gay Pirates, <laughs> Queer Vampires, yes, I know that's redundant, and <laughs> Floating Skeletons and Scooby-Doo hijinks. And here, oh. and again, here are time for me to say once again, The Rage. <laughs> I know. I just, I know I always say it, but I just love the crazy shit that we bring to the, every episode of Little Cuts. It just brings me joy. It brings me a lot of joy, too. Uh, okay. All right. Para witches. Tell Para witches. me about them. <laughs> okay. So um, back in 2020, and I was trying to look to see if I know, ago. right? It, it feels like it. Uh, I was looking to see if I had talked about about this because I feel like I had. And back in 2020, we were still doing what we watched in the in the main episode. We didn't have little cuts. Uh, but oh my god, I totally <laughs> forgot that we did that. 
<laughs> and I, I think that I brought this up because I'm pretty sure I did, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I'm not 100% sure. But um, I watched The Witch Part 1, The Subversion. We did. remember that? We did talk. Yes. I do. I thought we Freddy, did. Did it? Freddie Freddy Carlini brought, pitched it to us. I think he did. He he brought it up and then we both watched it mm-hmm. because we were like, that sounds fucking incredible. So, yes, we did talk about that. Okay, and I, thought I love we that movie. It's fucking incredible. It's really good. So the sequel is playing <gasps> theaters right now. And um, I so I forgot the sequel was out. <laughs> so I rewatched the first Sorry. one. Okay. <laughs> so I rewatched the first one in prep for the, the sequel, and then I, I watched the sequel. Um, and so, okay. again, if you have not seen The Witch Part 1, The Subversion, go watch it. You gotta. It's, it's so good. Um, I love that movie a whole lot. It's just... Ugh. It's amazing. But, like, the plot of that... I mean, the, so this this the Part 2 is called The Witch Part 2... The other one, which is kind of a kind of a funny title. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Is it reference like another person rather than like the other one of the movie? Yeah, it's another person. Okay. Um, I figured they probably weren't trying to make it funny, but no, it is funny. It is funny. Well, and the fact that it's like the witch colon part two dash the other one. Like, <laughs> I love it. I just I love it. But it's so the witch part one. If you haven't seen it. It is a uh, Korean horror movie directed by Park Hoon Jung, um, who was the writer for I Saw the Devil back in 2010. Oh, yes. And so he directed and wrote the first one. And it is about this this little girl who escapes um, a facility and ends up stumbling into the farm of um, a couple who end up raising her as their own. When she gets older, um, she auditions for a talent show and ends up bringing the attention from the people that have been looking for her. And it goes from there. And it's, there's a lot of twists and turns and it's really good. So the sequel is about this other young girl who escapes somehow this thing called the Ark. And there's like the opening scene. Well, after like they introduce her, um, there's like an opening scene of, of her like escaping the ark and the whole place is like there's massacre, there's bodies everywhere. And she somehow has survived and she's leaving the place and walking through like snow barefoot. Um, and she ends up getting almost hit by a car and then they pull back and, and take her in. And the car is full of like a gang that is like kidnapped this one girl. And they, so they take, so they take the young girl because they can't have any, any eyewitnesses. And then she ends up killing everyone and saving the the, girl, the woman that they had uh, hijacked. And then they start going on the run as, like, shadowy uh, organizations, I guess, at each other's throat are trying to find her. And it connects to the first movie, so you cannot watch this without watching the first movie. In fact, I would recommend watching the first movie before watching this one because there was a lot of things I would have missed. Uh with this film, there's a lot of callbacks. It does not waste any time in terms of like reestablishing the story. It just like is expecting you to pick up where that first one left off and just go with it. It's a little convoluted, a little too convoluted for its own good. And there's a lot of factions and I'm like, I don't know if you guys are friends or foes. I don't really know why, why each of these individual factions are looking for this young girl. I mean, obviously she's a, she's one of the witches or whatever. And they're trying to get her, but I'm like, 
some of them seem like they might be helping some hindering like some of them are we i it's it's a little convoluted and not okay. as um i don't think the narrative is as strong as the first movie but there's some really cool action sequences there's a really awesome finale uh it's setting up a third movie um so Sweet. i would really recommend watching these films absolutely i wonder if it's suffering from second film syndrome like always the middle of the trilogy is always just like shit like a not info dump because it doesn't sound like it's an info dump oh there's a, there is an expedi- exposition and info dump at okay, the beginning so, like there's okay. a lot of there's a okay. lot of that this All is right. definitely trying to like open the world a bit more um okay there's like you find out that there's more of these places around the world and someone has been going and basically killing everyone in these like arcs so there's like a little bit more of a open world conspiracy theory type stuff to it that kind of brings it kind of brings to mind a little bit of like they talk about transhumanism and so it kind of Uh brings to mind a little bit of like orphan black like there's a lot of i think there's a lot of dna in this coming from a whole a whole lot of sci-fi uh kind of tropes um but it's a lot of fun it's slickly produced uh park hoon jung is it has a really good cinematic eye and I really like it. I think The Witch 2 is, is playing in theaters right now. Um, so it's probably okay. going to open up a little bit wider and hopefully go to VOD soon. But I would keep this one on your radar for sure. Please. Uh, fucking the first one was so good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... I mean, we hadn't heard of it really until Freddie brought it up on the podcast. But I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people have seen it. And I know a lot of people like Korean genre movies. So if you My are favorite. a fan of Korean genre movies... Why haven't you checked it out? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why haven't you, I listeners? I found a Blu-ray copy of it at my local <gasps> record store. Did you? I was like, and I, I of course I immediately bought it because Random. I was like, where the fuck am I going to find this ever? But yeah, I bought it at my local record store that sells used, like used Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. That seems to happen. Like there, there's, we, we talk about movies or we're about to talk about movies and you find something. It's, at, it's a little so weird. bizarre. So like... Side note, like side, whatever. When we talked about Pie Wacket on the podcast, I went to that record store and texted Terry and it's like, mm-hmm. I found a fucking copy of Pie Wacket at the store. It's very weird. And like, I found a steel book of The Omen after we right. right talked about The Omen. It there was, was another movie too. I can't remember what it was, was, but there was some one. random movie that like, you never would have thought would have just been at the at, at that store. And it was there. I remember... <laughs> It was, it, I have found some weird shit there. Um, it's cool though. I'm like, I'm very, it's just very weird. I'm like, this, what's, this is a it's just, like this tapping has happened into subconscious. too many times <laughs> for that. But I mean, I'll take it. Oh yeah. But it's, it's always so weird. I'm like, what is happening? So, I mean, I need That's to go amazing. back actually. Maybe I'll go back this weekend and see what weird wonders I find. <laughs> You'll randomly find The Witch Part 2 just sitting there, even though it's not out yet. <laughs> it's like the falls future. out of the sky into Whoa. my lap. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so fucking weird. Anyway. Uh, all right. I want to hear about gay pirates. I think I know what this is, and I'm really excited to hear you talk about it. Okay. So this is not horror. But I have to talk about it, because now oh, yeah. it is, I have brain rot from it. Um, this is Our Flag Means Death, mm-hmm. HBO Max series starring 
uh, Reese Darby and Taiko Atiti. So you know it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, Taiko Atiti uh, executive produced it, but the the show, ten episodes, thirty minutes each, takes place in the Caribbean in the eighteen hundreds, uh, where a pi- um. A gentleman named Steed Bonnet has decided he doesn't. He is bored with his life as a landed gentry with a wife and children, and decides to use his money to build a pirate ship and be a pirate. So he runs away from life to be a pirate, as one does. And he is like, he, so he just wants so badly to be a pirate, but he is like the definition of like a landed gentry gentleman, like fl- floofy colors, fine clothes, book, like everything, and like he's like. We talk it through as a crew as one of the like the, the models of the ship. So they all like talk it. It's like very it's just very wholesome. And these like pirates want to kill and he's like, well, why don't we just <laughs> negotiate? It's like very sweet. And then they meet Blackbeard, who is Taiko Atiti, in so much leather. So much leather. With a giant like a giant, curly, beautiful gray hair and a giant gray beard. And it's about Steed and Blackbeard, a.k.a. Ed, getting to know each other, and uh, it's gay as fuck. It's not, like, queer-coded. It's like there is mm. a non-binary person. Vico Ortiz mm. plays Jim, who is... Vico Ortiz is non-binary, but then Jim, the character, is also non-binary. Oh, cool. And, um, and they are... And they, you know... But they also have a sexual relationship with the, a cis guy, which is great. And then there's a very openly gay couple, and then Steed and Ed kiss, and they are a couple. So, like, it's all just very gay. It's very, like, anti-colonialism. There's a lot of really cool stuff there about, like, decolonize, like decolonization and, like, interrogating this period of time. It's so fucking good, and it's just incredibly gay. I hadn't watched it because it was like everyone was like, oh, the gay pirate show. And I was like, I'll get to it. But I binge watched it when I had covid and then watched it again because I like fell asleep halfway through some of the episodes and shit. But it is gorgeous and it's really easy to binge watch. And uh, my one of my best friends in the real world and I just now read fan fiction and exchange thirst tweets and we bought t-shirts. <laughs> so... <laughs> so you've gone all in. She's fine. It's just like... It's so, it's just like very wholesome, but also like very sexual. Mm-hmm. And like the first time, the first time I watched it, I was like a little bit worried it was too kind of saccharine for me because mm. it is very like silly and like, cute, but then it gets like into it. And I just, it's worth watching. So I've really been meaning to watch it. I really need to watch it. I don't know why I haven't watched it. That's the thing. Like, I didn't know either. And then I was just like, fuck it. Because my, again, my best friend has like only been watching. Like, she's watched it eight times. <laughs> my tattoo artist turned friend who did my sleeve made like a period appropriate shirt for it. Like it, it mm. is, it has caused people to go absolutely feral. It's, it, it's, it's a wild thing to watch. So and it got renewed, right? It did. It got Good. renewed. Thank God, because it ends on such a fucking cliffhanger. And it's not fair. But it got maybe, renewed. Maybe I'll watch that after Chatfest. Do it. It's I really to. easy to watch a bunch of, too. So, Hell yeah. gay pirates. Not gay pirates. Going back to horror. 
What is this Choose Your Own Adventure Horror Edition? Okay, so um, I took time off last week. Um, I didn't take enough. Uh, I'm also feeling sick, so I might be coming down with something. I hope it's not Great. COVID. Oh, Lord. We'll see about that. But um, I, because I was on leave and I had plenty of time to not do anything work and or work related i sat down to play the quarry and over the course ah! of maybe like three days finished it uh mostly a day and a half but um okay uh so the quarry is the new video game from supermassive games who did uh until dawn and then did the dark pictures anthology series uh of video games and this is their sort of like follow official follow-up to like uh until dawn with a lot of the same writing team, Graham Resnick comes back to to write to co-write it. Will Biles uh, both directed it and co-wrote it. So like it has a lot of the same um, behind the scenes talent as well as the you know the video game company that made Until Dawn. And this I this one is about a bunch of camp campers at uh, Hackett's Quarry, which is this quarry that has a summer camp and. Um, because one of the teens is horny, he decides that he needs he needs an extra day to convince his uh, summer fling that they do belong together when they leave summer camp. So he sabotages the only van out, um, and they get stay they get stuck behind. And the guy that runs the camp, played by uh, David Arquette, Chris Hackett. He is really upset, and he tells them that they can't leave the lodge and to not go outside or anything because he um, knows that there is something lurking in the woods. So, of course, they listened, right? Oh, of course. Absolutely. They listened. The night passes uneventfully, and the next day they get to go home and go see their loved ones. No, they don't. They're horny. They want to have a party. <laughs> and um, in the woods? <laughs> basically. <laughs> Oh, natural. What with nature? Uh, I mean, there is a really, really <laughs> fun scene where they, where two of them skinny dip to their, to their underwear, but they skinny dip, and for the rest of the game, he is literally running around in just his underwear, uh, oh. and it's hilarious because as he finds things, he like stuffs them in his underwear, so like his underwear is just like swimming with like memory cards and a piece of a car that he just sort of like. I don't know oh, if he's I using the, the flap. I just thought of the grossest thing ever. You know how <laughs> women that? can store things in their bras and like use their tits? Mm-hmm. What if he uses balls to like tuck memory cards up behind his oh. balls? I'm sorry. I'm wondering if like, you know, you have that little flap in the front. So I'm wondering if he's just yeah. like, you know, t- stuffing things in the, in the flap area. Maybe. I don't know. But it's really fun. It was really funny to me where he's like, who? Memory card. Got to keep this for later. And he's like, I'm like, dude, your you are like literally wearing your, boxer briefs. Like between your butt cheeks? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you think about like the inventory and like Skyrim when you have all that stuff and you're like, uh-huh. what would I really look like? <laughs> I love that he says underwear though. I love a good, I love a, a, a boy in his underwear in a horror, in a horror Yeah, me media. too. And speaking of gay pirates, there's gay counselors in this. There is uh, actually a little somewhat flirtatious romance that that happens a little bit uh, between um, two characters, Dylan and Ryan. Dylan played by Miles Robbins from Daniel Isn't Real. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wait, that's who that is. 
<laughs> I like saw him at the game and I was like, why does this boy look so familiar? Okay, well, there's my answer. And Ryan's played by Justice Smith, who um, was in the uh, HBO Max show A Generation, and he was in the last two Jurassic World movies. Um, oh, okay. He's been acting for a very long time. They really do get, like, Ariel Winters in it, too. They get some good cast for these movies, like, for these, I call them movies, because they are just, like, interactive movies, but they get good casts. Yeah, absolutely. And this one's even more so, I would say, than Until Dawn. The Skylar Gizondo is in it, Ted Raimi. Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay. Who has? <laughs> Does she have like two lines in it? She has like a, a good ten minute, ten or so minute sequence, but um, Very it did not shy. end well for her in my playthrough. I mean, that's okay. It's like a. It was like a really great gross moment. Um, but yeah, and Lance Hendrickson is in it. Um, oh, that's right, like, Lance Hendrickson. It's basically the same thing as like Until Dawn. You kind of choose your own adventure. You make decision points. The story adapts based on your decisions. You can end up killing every single counselor or saving all of them. I ended up losing three people, two of which I'm going to call bullshit on, but <laughs> one is totally my fault. I had a moment to shoot someone that was changing and I didn't and oh, lost okay. my head. But Literally. two of them, I swear, are li- was a little bit like that. I That's a little bit of a bullshit right there. I was very upset, but it's it's fun. I don't think the story is as good as Until Dawn. Uh, it's very straightforward. Like I figured out what was going on almost immediately. Oh yeah, the beginning. Oh yeah, we called. We both. We Steve and I were like, "This is what this is." Uh huh. They tell, but they telegraph it so obviously. Uh, it's a little obvious, and like, but it, but it really acts as obvious. if like, but it acts as if it should be like a surprise, like. They ca- try okay. to build danger with some of the things, and I'm like, well, and like they, they try to make the the Hicks seem really kind of like that. Oh, you know, it's a little deliverance, and yeah, I mean, they are a villain in in some cases, but like they they kind of play them as if like they're actively hunting the kids, whereas they're actually trying to keep them. Like it's it's so obvious, it's so obvious what they're trying to yeah. do here. Whereas like in Until Dawn, it was not, at least no, for me. I don't think it was either. But there was also, like, like, a couple weird things going on in Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is more of a cohesive, I would say, story. But, like, it's okay. um, a lot more predictable. But I would say okay. the choices are a lot more interesting and a little bit more okay. impactful to what happens in the story. See, that's what I figured was more the thing with this. Because I was like, oh, they tell you what it is right off the fucking bat without telling you. Mm-hmm. Like, which is... Fu- I mean, like, again, fine. I get it. But then you care more about the characters and like playing with that yeah rather than like full on figuring everything out yeah it was good I really enjoyed it I want to play it again and try to get keep people alive and see what would happen if I did some other things so that's what I love about these games is like the the replayability is like so Mm -hmm. high because you want to get the different endings and like you want to figure out how you can get people or you want to see what happens when you kill everybody you know what I mean like it's so because they really are, like, they really do, like, give you cool endings and, like, different things, like, different playthroughs. So, mm-hmm. I just think that's so cool. I talked to Ted Raimi about it a couple days ago. <sighs> and he's a little angel baby from heaven, but it's so cool just hearing, like, the motion capture stuff that they did for this. And just, like, yeah. the crazy shit they did to make them look so real. Like, oh, okay, queer vampires. So, I watched So Vam. By 17-year-old okay. trans-Australian director Alice Mayo McKay, or Mackie, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure which one she prefers, um, which is a 
Her feature, her feature film debut about Kurt, who is an aspiring drag queen who wants to move to the city to become a famous drag performer. And he is unfortunately ambushed by a predatory vampire. Um, but that a group of like, of a queer trans vampire saves him and like bring them into their family and it's about them trying to kill this predatory vampire who is feeding on innocent people. And beca- because these vampires only feed on, like, homophobes and abusers. So, like, they massacre a conversion camp at one point. Like, it's oh. it's cool. It's, it's rough around the edges, I will say. Um, mm-hmm. The acting is rough. And, you know, but it's also, like... I think I wanted to bring it up because despite like the DIY kind of rough around the edges quality, it's incredibly queer drag queens, trans people. It's just like unapologetically gay. And it's a really important movie, I think, in terms of like showing how you can have these storylines and still make vampires and Mm. all of these like things that we've seen before and put queer characters in them and it's not like losing anything and you don't need to tokenize characters and things like that and I think it's really impressive especially coming from a 17 year old 17 year old yeah and like she's already working she just wrapped production on her next movie which is a queer slasher called Bad Girl Boogie so I think it's definitely not a perfect movie. I think it's it does have like rough patches, but I want to bring it up as something that people should still watch and understand that like the future of horror is very bright. If people like Alice are making these kinds of movies already and getting attention and making movies like about w- with drag drag performances in them, Bendela Creme does a narration at the beginning and the end. Oh, cool! Side note: she's she's my favorite drag queen. I, I love Bendela Kim Love. Creme. Bendela Crumb, obsessed with her. She's in, and I when I heard her voice, I was like, oh, I know her. So yeah, I think it's Pride Month. Check it out. It's like an hour and twenty minutes. I and think it just came out right, like yesterday. So yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because it's not perfect, but like, it's cool as fuck that this movie is getting out there and has distribution, and people can watch it, and we have access to movies like this now. It's just, it's really fucking cool. And the idea is really interesting. And, like, she really leans into vampires as queer. And I love that. Because it's like, I saw someone saying, it's too heavy-handed with that. I'm like, well, vampires are so fucking queer in the first place. And, like, she just, like, leans into it. And I love it so much. So, that is so vam. It is available now to rent. So, check it out. And now, let's talk about Scooby-Doo hijinks (laughs) and dancing skeletons. What, uh horror comedy did we watch this week so this one was recommended by um el aka purpurina on twitter and they recommended we check out el camino de los espantos or the road of of spirits road road of ghosts i believe and it is about a group of people including basically uh mexico i believe mexico's answer to like laurel and hardy or um abbott and costello um, or Martin Lewis, Dean Martin and, and Jerry Lewis, like their kind of like take on it. Um, They're very, very much that, like very Abbott yeah. and Costello, very much yeah. got that vibe. Yeah. So a group of people, including Capolina and, and Viruta, who are again the Abbott and Costello kind of stand-ins, head toward the city by train. A heavy storm interrupts their journey, and they end up having to take a haunted path to reach 
the city. And the haunted path has a hilarious dancing skeleton that sort of does a jig across the thing and cackles and... It's so good. It's so, so funny because it's just—it's obviously a prop skeleton going <laughs> across, and it's so Scooby Doo. Like I didn't even uh-huh. think about that, but I, the way you describe that as Scooby Doo is so funny because it's just like, <laughs> and it just goes, and it's incredible. Like it's so funny. I don't know if that part's meant to be funny, but Jesus Christ, it's hilarious. Watching it was it really funny. <laughs> I was laughing through a lot of it, and again, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the the intentions were, but um, I I found a lot of the the spooky stuff to be really funny because it's literally, uh, I mean, it, it gets revealed that it's men in masks. That's that's what another reason why I was like, oh, this is oh, Scooby Doo. It's, it's like so good with the creepy masks, and then yeah, they're like stupid kids slash stupid slapstick comedy men who discovered them. <laughs> <laughs> There's this one great gag where Capulina is trying to light a match and this like pox ridden zombie sort of like comes in behind and goes and then he like looks and he's like match is gone. He doesn't see that, uh, you know, that there's someone behind him. And so he, he takes a few steps forward and lights it and then it keeps happening. And it's just, you know, kind of silly visual gags and, and slapstick humor like that, that uh, really worked for me. Did you did you like this one? I did. I think. I got a lot of, like, Abbott and Costello vibes from it, but it also was really cool to see that in Mexico and, like, seeing mm-hmm. how that, like, the comedy translates there. And again, it's, like, it's pretty similar. It's not, like, I think they've got a lot of the same gags, a lot of the same kind of, like, jump scares for the characters, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. I liked how they kind of poked fun at masculinity a little bit in this, too, like, yeah. machismo, which I thought was really, it was really cool. Fun to see movies doing that, like, since this era, like, it's not a new thing. I mean, I think it was... It didn't okay. It didn't like blow me away, but I was no. really glad I watched it. Like I think it's silly. I think it's really cool to see like a black and white horror comedy from Mexico, like following mm-hmm. the footsteps of what like Hollywood comedies were doing, but putting it in their own context. And I mean, I laughed a lot. I I think I it was too. like this pair of guys. I think are have really great chemistry together. They I mean, really obviously do. you have like the the smarter guy and like kind of the more idiotic guy, but mm-hmm. they work together really well. And I just love the way they play off of each other. I think that is, um, and they each have a, like a, a love interest in this one too, who, and that's kind of funny how like the women become part of the gags, like, and they're, they're pretty like heavily involved in this movie. Like they mm-hmm. have like the damsel in distress stuff, but they are like more involved. I think than I've seen in like the slapstick comedy ish aspects, which was cool to see as well. Ooh, as well. So I liked it. Yeah. Thank you, Elle, for the recommendation. I'm mm-hmm. glad that we watched it. It was it was a good one. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed I actually really enjoyed this one. I wasn't sure in the beginning, but once it started to get going and they get into like the forest and there's all this like silly spooky stuff, I was like, I'm I'm here for that. I there one of my it's such a dumb gag, but one of my favorites is this drawer that they're trying to put clothes into and Every time he leans over to like grab the clothes and put it in there, the drawer closes, and he's like, "I had that open," so he opens it again, and it turns out that the drawer is somehow connected to the drawer on the other side of the wall. So whenever someone opens it on one end, it's closing it on the other, and it's it's such as it's and it kind of turns into like a, um, a, like a punchline towards the end when there's like a fight scene with the the people that are in the house where like they keep using it and it keeps knocking people. It's it's just. It's there's some clever stuff in this that surprised me. Yeah, it's me. very clever. It is very clever. There's a point 
they open something and there's like a fucking ghost flies out of it. And then, which I love, but there's also a part towards the beginning where they're like on the road and in the woods. A guy in a fucking sheet just like goes, ooh, like walks around like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Well, and like it feels like they're trying to be silly with that. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. like it's not like an it's not like an effects budget thing. It's like a that's definitely a a man on a sheet, but they're getting. I don't. It's just funny. It's just clever. It's clever. It's a very clever Mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, so so thank you so much for recommending this one. Yes. It was um and it was kind of nice to take a detour from like the the UK and England and uh, American movies that we've seen. Yeah. We are going back to American movies though. We are. Oops. Terry, what are we watching next week? A little uh gander back to uh see Ivan Reitman's sophomore feature film, 1973's Cannibal Girls, which stars Eugene Levy and Andrea Martin. I am so glad that you... I was like, never heard of it. Cannot wait. 10 out of 10 already. Excited to watch a young Eugene Levy in a movie called Cannibal Girls. In which the plot is basically a young couple spend the night in an old farmhouse owned by a reverend only to find out that it is also lived in by beautiful women who hunger after human flesh. Fuck yeah. It's going to be great. Here for it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see this one. But who are we talking to on Monday, Mary Beth? On Monday, we are chatting with not one, but two people. We're talking with the co-writers and co-directors of the new film Strawberry Mansion, Ken Tucker Oddly, and Albert Bernie. And we're talking about the Wizard of fucking Oz. (laughs) Yeah, we are. So, get ready for that. In Pride Month. Oh, yeah, we talk a lot about how gay that movie is. It's great. All right, listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or play the game that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions? Did you kill all your counselors in the quarry? (laughs) What ending did you get? Send us an email at scarfreelifepodcast at (laughs) gmail.com or follow us on Twitter. I am at mbmcandrews. I'm a gaily dreadful. Spam Terry's DMs. Just kidding. Yeah. Where am I? Um, <laughs> make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. <laughs> Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It's Pride Month. You need to... Pride Month. Throw a coin to your queers. Be an ally. <laughs> also, do- also donate to Terry's uh, fundraiser. Yeah, you have a week left. You exceeded your goal, didn't you? We did. We, we Yay! We beat it to, as of this recording. We, uh, we're like, as of this recording, I think we're like seven, six hundred and some odd dollars above. Hell yeah. But even if we're above the goal, donate money. Yeah. Like Terry said, throw a coin to your queers. Show yeah. some support on Pride Month. Anyway, thanks Eric Power for our artwork. Thanks Sean Keller for our music. And thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time.
scratchers to scratch. There's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>